Hello, story lovers. I'm Laurel McCarg, and you're listening to Alligator Preserves. I would first like to give an awesome shout out to our Lake County Public Library, where I have had to conduct my past couple of interviews while the street outside my workplace is being torn up. So thank you so much, Lake County Public Library, for letting me use the Baby Doe Room. And if you haven't been to the library yet or seen the Baby Doe Room and the room behind that, oh, you've got to go check it out. Stay tuned for my next Leadville Race Series episode with Wesley Sandoval, who broke the record for the lead man in 2016. Don't go away. Welcome to Alligator Preserves, a weekly podcast about revealing yourself through storytelling, story reading, and story writing, but probably not story arithmetic, because that's not a thing. You just might surprise yourself with the secrets you'll uncover. Welcome, Wesley Sandoval. Thank you for taking some time out of your training schedule to talk to us about your experience with the Leadville Race Series. And so I'm going to ask you what I ask all of these ultra racers. And it is an ultra race, right? Oh, yeah. It's considered an ultra race. Why do you do it? (laughs) The why. So it just always, I grew up around it. My cousin did it when I was maybe 10 years old. So I was kind of watching him, you know, driving around to some of the age sessions. And it kind of always was in the back of my head while... Maybe I'll try that someday, you know. Your cousin? Does your cousin live in Leadville? No, he's from Redcliffe. Okay. His name is Johnny Sandoval. Johnny? You know, he's done this uh, too many times. So How, how many times do you know? I don't. Is he still doing it? Uh, he did, tried last year. He ended up having some, uh, I think it was some knee issues and ended up backing out at the end. But Okay. Yeah, so. Leadman? Has he done that? No, he's no. never done lead, Leadman. Just the... Uh, 100 run. But. All right. So you were 10. So he must be how old now? I have to say <gasps> about maybe 50. Okay. All right. So so he's a youngster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say that because I'm not telling you how old I am. How old are you? I'm 41. 41. Okay. And you've been in Leadville your whole life. Born, yep. Born, right. born and raised here. Do you think living in Leadville gives you an advantage? Uh, I would say yes. At, you know, yes and no. Because yes, we're used to the altitude. And it's easy. We don't have to adjust, you know, for that. But also training at this high of an altitude, it is hard to recover up here. So we don't get the advantage of going back down to a lower elevation, getting all this oxygen and your body truly recovering from a lot of these workouts. So on that sense, it's a little give and take. I never never thought of that. I never thought of the recovering part. I think about the training part and the fact that at this altitude, you often can't train as early as other people yeah, because of snow and well, things? Well, that's never slowed me down. No? So I train during the winter. I run on this, you know, all the groomed trails on the east side of town and do more road running during the winter and a lot of fat biking. So my training is always there. I'm always doing it. You know, it's obviously not as intense during the winter, but it's still there. What do you wear on your feet for running in, normal, on ice and snow? Normal shoes. Normal shoes? Do you yep. put screws in them? No screws. No, no nothing. screws? Just like I'm running in the summer. Really? Yep. You, you must be quite fleet of foot. <laughs> <laughs> when, yeah, when I'm moving, you're, you know, you've got so much blood flowing, you're, you're staying warm. I, I really never get cold out there. I would say I get more hot. My biggest thing is 
is trying to keep myself from getting too hot because if you start sweating, then if you slow down for some reason, you know, your sweat will kind of start to freeze up and then you'll start getting cold. So it's more, you know, just keeping yourself from getting too hot. And, and that's, a, that's a funny thing. We've only lived here for 11 and a half years. And in the winter, if the sun comes out, even if it's in the zeros or really low, when the sun's out, it's warm. Yeah, it is definitely warm. You really heat up. It's, yeah. it's surprising. I think a lot of people don't, don't know that right. or wouldn't think of that. Think of that being a problem anyway. When did you first commit to doing this? Now, so you watched your cousin since you were 10 and you thought, oh, that's a cool thing to do. Why did you think that was a cool thing to do? I don't Didn't know. it look I, like suffering? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember my mom talking about it, you know, when I was little and she was like, why would somebody even do that to themselves? You know, they were back then they didn't have like the goo energy and stuff. So like GI issues were a lot worse. And there were people that were coming into the aid station, you know, full of poop and yeah. they had some serious problems. And for some odd reason, I was appalled at it. Like, maybe I want to try something like that. <laughs> I don't just... I enjoy the challenge more than anything. I like challenging myself. So just, what what was the f- the first year that you raced was? So the first year I tried the 100 run was in 2000, let's see, 12. I paced my brother in 2011 up and over Hope. And then uh, he kind of convinced me to do it. He worked for the race series at the time and signed me up, you know, got me an entry fee into the run. So and, your uh, brother? Marvin. Marvin. Yep. So you, you paced him? I paced him up and over Hope. Okay. And he was a hurting unit, you know, coming back. He had some knee issues and we hauled butt going up Hope, but coming down was like a, a creepy crawl. Like he was hurting really bad. Yeah. So, but he finished that year and and I kind of wanted to try it out. You know, I thought it was, maybe I could do it. And what I had told him, like, maybe I'll try that someday. And then, you know, he kind of fed off of that and he's like, he got me an entry fee and he's all, now that I got you... Hooked. An entry fee, you're going to have to do it. Because <laughs> I really, I didn't do, get as much training in as I wanted to and didn't really know much about it that first year. So I didn't even want to show up to the starting line. And he's all, well, I got you in. You better show up to that starting line. Whoa. So, so uh, I ended up showing up to the starting line and DNF that year, went 40 miles and didn't make the cutoff. But Why? Why did you uh, stop? Just too slow. Not enough shade. Oh, okay. Okay. So... It's kind of, and, and, and I didn't expect to finish that year. It's kind of just something just to, let's see what I could do and just kind of see where I'm at. And, and was that the longest you had ever run? The longest miles? I've, yes. Right. The furthest I've ever ran before that was 15 miles that summer training. And then prior to that, the only other running I've ever did in my life was in high school, my sophomore year in cross country. So I was only running, you know. A, a mile maybe at the most. Miles, so three mile races there is a 5K but we'd do some, you know, six, seven mile training runs, but that was about it for me. And I didn't like it back then. I actually ended up quitting mid uh, sophomore year and joined football. And I thought I was more into the football and not into the running. I thought it was very painful. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you did football. Any other sports when you were younger? Oh yeah, wrestling. That was like my main sport. I started when I was eight years old, and you know, me and my brother were both in it, very competitive and. Are you older or younger than Marvin? I'm uh, 11 months older. 11 months older. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to talk about any sibling rivalry? Is there a uh, rivalry? Is it? No, there really isn't. We've, I wouldn't say no. I mean, we just, at least not through me. I, I just try to compete against myself more than anything. I like challenging myself. And 
sometimes we're next to each other out there on the race course. Yeah. And, you know, we're pushing each other, but I don't really necessarily go out. Oh, I'm going to try to beat my brother this year. Or, Do you think you know. he goes out to beat you? Uh, in short <laughs> sections, maybe he might try. <laughs> Do you train together? Yeah, every so often we do. You know, we used to do a bunch, but not necessarily as much lately. You know, we do still get out there, though. And, All right. But when we do get out there, we are going hard. We ended up, you know, we end up pushing ourselves pretty hard. So it's... I think that's awesome. It's fun. That you could train together yeah. and, and push one another. Yep. Yeah. It's not like he's sticking out his foot trying to trip you. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Take you down. <laughs> when was your first lead man? That was in 2013. And you completed it? Nope. You didn't? Okay, didn't what happened? It. What happened? Same thing. Uh, so I, was, I basically entered the Leadman while well, my mom bought it for me for Christmas because I Aww. wanted to, to complete the 100 run. And my brother thought it would be a good idea if I did all the other races, you know, I was training to kind of prep me for it. So right. that was kind of the logic behind it. And so I made it to 60 miles that year and ended up getting some major shin, shin splints and didn't complete it. Yeah. So I've heard that before. And for listeners out there, in order to complete a lead man, you have to do which races? You have to do the Leadville Marathon, one of the 50, either the bike or the run. And, uh, and your, your brother said that we always to do. be a true lead man, you have to do both of those Correct. in one weekend. Yep. But, yep. but that's not part of the deal. You don't, you don't have to. <laughs> no, but we do it just for the training purpose. And it's called the, sil- the Silver? Silver King. Silver King. So you got that. And then you got the 100 bike. And then the day after the 100 bike, you got a 10K run. Tell um, me about that. Tell me what you think about the 10K run after doing the 100-mile bike the day after. Uh, I take it easy. I don't want to destroy myself. I did it once. I raced it, and I destroyed myself for the 100 and learned my lesson not to do oh, that. Oh, so, why, why do you think they have that the day after? I don't know. Just to torture you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I had, I had another racer say the same thing. <laughs> to torture you. I'm, I'm thinking it's so that you're still... Mobile right. and moving, and maybe to help with the lactic right. acid buildup in your it, muscles. It, it is nice to, you know, get a good run in afterwards and get that lactic acid out and kind of loosen stuff up again. But but it's literally one week after the hundred mile bike that you have to run a hundred miles, and these yep. are both through the mountains. Yep. At well over ten thousand feet, the highest elevation is Hope yep. Pass. Hope Pass. And yep. That's over twelve thousand. I'm not too sure the exact. Okay. So, DNF in 2013, tell me about your progress since then. So, in 2014, I ended up getting a coach, and it brought a lot of structure, and I think that helped me out a bunch. It kept me under, at bay in my training, because a lot of times in my training, I <clears throat> just got the attitude, I got to, I think I got to go harder every time. I, I just got that attitude to keep pushing, pushing, and I think that hurt me more than anything. Do you want to say who your coach is? Cameron Chambers. Cameron Chambers? Yep. Does he live here? No, he lived in Colorado Springs when I first met him. Okay. Now lives in Kansas City. But yeah, that was huge for me and and in my training. You know, it kept me at bay. I actually was going slower during my training, but overall my times were ended up being faster. So it was nice. Slower and steadier gets you over the finish line. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> I wasn't destroying myself. I wasn't finishing each, you know, bike ride or run, just demolished before I always had that mentality, push just hard, keep just, keep, yeah. just keep pushing. So right. that was my hugest improvement, I would say. So you've completed it in 2014? Yep, in 2014. I finished in 24 hours and maybe 20 minutes or something like that. Wow. So I double buckled that year, which was 
you know, double big buckled, I should say. And, and what do you need to do to get a big buckle? In the bike, you got to get under nine hours. And in the run, you got to do it under 25 hours. Okay. 100 miles, people out there listening. 100 miles, and we're not stopping. Not stopping. On either of these, you're not stopping during the, the run. So 24 hours. So you had to go through the night. Yep. Starts at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I forget what time I finished that year. 2 o'clock in the morning, maybe. Was it that year? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it was All right. Okay. So, so you have you raced... Have you done Leadman every year so yes. far? Yep, since then. So I year after, I finished. So I got a PR on my bike. I was sub eight hours, and then I was 22 hours in the run. So I took off, you know, another two hours. And the biggest thing was in the run was I wasn't walking towards the end. So like the first year I completed it, I pretty much walked from Colorado outward bound, which is about 25 miles to the finish line. So I walked that whole section all the way back. Pretty much the whole section. And then the next year, it was from like May Queen. I ended up walking the rest of the way back. And it wasn't because I wasn't capable of running. It was more of a mental thing. I was just kind of giving up in my head. Like, uh, it's kind of easier way. And then, so in 2016, I went in with a lot different attitude. Like, I'm not going to walk. It's just a commitment to myself. I'm, I know I'm capable of doing it. It's just a matter of, you know, fighting it mentally to... To do it and, and so how do you make that switch in your head other than here in Ken Clover you know you're you can do more than you think you can the grits got grits I always say grits grit got some determination <laughs> whose voice do you hear in your head when you're having those doubts because that that's a real thing right I mean oh yeah mentally mental issues can stop you as quickly as physical issues yeah it's just that commitment that I make to myself like you just remember, like I just tell myself, I'm not gonna quit. I'm not gonna stop. I'm not gonna start walking. Um, it's just in there. I said it, and I'm gonna do it. That's kind of it. Okay. So once I say it to myself, I won't second guess myself. It's like that's it. I'm do you doing do it. you have a, a mantra? Do you have something that you say to yourself uh, rhythmically at all while you run? No, I don't. I I try not to think about it too much. So because if I start thinking about it, it makes it harder. I'll start overthinking more than anything and and then I'll get doubt in my head or whatever the case may be yeah so it's just kind of a one set thing and just go for it when do you have you ever used hiking poles walking poles yeah I do use hiking poles up and over Hope Pass both directions and then uh usually coming back going up power line I'll use them there as well and what would the benefit of using those be to it people just, who might think about using them? Because I've, I've asked other racers and other racers have tried them and not liked them. And It relieves a lot of pressure off your legs. I mean, because you're using those muscles so much, especially on the climbing. It's nice to be able to put, you know, use your arms, use your muscles there and kind of relieve some of the work load off of your legs. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. It's only usually going up hills. So this year, so each year you've gotten faster have well, you have you improved on your pr each year no so 2016 that was when i set the lead man record and i pr'd in every single race that year and then uh last year i did not i was slower pretty much in everything but why uh i don't know <laughs> i thought my training was there maybe i was trying a little too hard i'd say if anything going out a little harder than i probably should in a couple of the races 
Have you had a coach each year since that first year you had a coach? Yeah, same yeah. coach every same. year. Okay. Except for this year, I've been doing it on my own. I ended up uh, having surgery this year. I had a torn meniscus in my knee. So it's been a slow start this year. All right. You know, so fighting through a lot of aches and pains. But. Other than the other than the shin splints, uh, is is this your second injury, the, the meniscus in the knee? And is it because of training? Do you think? Uh, no, I wouldn't say it was because of training. I think it was at work is when I initially felt it. I was carrying some plywood up some stairs, and I just felt this awful burning sensation in my knee, and I kind of just pushed through it like I normally do, and didn't think too much of it. Kept going, and then you know it just kept. Pro- progressively getting worse and so I had to back off my training that year last year which is when it happened uh right about this time last year so so your goals for this year how have you done in the races so far so you've already done I've done the marathon, marathon. I was significantly slower in that this year I was like 30 minutes slower and then the 50 bike I was five minutes slower which wasn't too big of a deal did you she do the did 50 it. run too or just the bike? No, I did just the bike. This did year. Marvin do both of them? Yep, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what is your goal or what are your goals for your finish this year? I'd like to sub eight again on the bike, you know, get under that eight hour mark. And for the run, I don't know, just kind of play it by ear, see what happens. I try not to sit really any times as far as the run goes because it seems like it messes me up more than anything mentally in the head because if I'm trying to shoot for a certain time to get to a certain place it'll discourage me more than anything if I'm behind or so I just kind of and that's kind of my the way I approach the 100 run all the time I'll just kind of go out and just be as steady as I can not overdo it and then I feel like I'm working harder coming back but I'm not going any faster, but I am working harder. And you're and you're on your way home. I'm on my way home <laughs> <laughs> after the fifty after Winfield. Um, do you have pacers from the fifty back? Yeah, I always have pacers from the fifty back. I'll be using the same pacers as I did last year. This year, want to do any shout outs to your pacers? Oh yeah, so uh, Jamie Peters. Amy oh, Jamie. Peters. Hey, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie paces me up and over Hope. Amy will pace me from Twin Lakes all the way to Outward Bound. And then Pat Cade will pace me the last 25 miles from there. So what do you like in a pacer? For them to carry my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, keep me company out there, keep me moving. You know, sometimes I like the quietness, and but also sometimes I like just somebody, if my mind's overthinking stuff or I'm... You know, it's kind of nice for somebody to start telling me a story just to get my mind off of everything and, you know, get my mind off of the running part of it. Have any of your pacers, have any of your pacers had to say, come on, Leslie, let's go? No, never. No? I've, I've always been pretty motivated to keep myself going. That's excellent. To my listeners out there, I hope you're enjoying my visit with Wesley Sandoval. And if you have not yet become a patron of my work, go ahead to patreon.com slash alligatorpreserves and see how you can support my work. You will get some pretty awesome benefits yourself. And now stay tuned as we learn more about this record-breaking athlete. What's your most memorable race of of the races? Uh, it's going to have to be when I broke the Leadman record. And it would be the run because it all came down to the run. And uh, Michael H was, you know, he was shooting for the record that year. And so he was the guy to beat. He was uh, in front of me overall in the time. Not by much, but 
I knew it was going to come down to the run and I was going to have to have the best run of my life. But on that same note, I knew I would have to stay in my own ability and not try to race against him because he is, I mean, he's an amazing athlete, you know, a two-time Olympian. He holds the Leadville Marathon record, the 50 uh, silver record. And so, yeah, so I knew it was just going to have to be my own race, do my own thing and be consistent coming back and no walking. That was like my first time I committed to myself. I'm not going to walk at all coming back on the steep hills. I'll, you know, power hike it. But other than that, I'm not going to walk. I'm just going to keep moving. Was he within sight the whole race? No, he was way ahead of me all the way until coming back from Winfield. I caught up to him coming up and over Hope Pass, you know, and that's the hiking portion is like my strong point. So this year I uphill, kind of uphill, yep, uphill. Sure. yeah. My my so, husband's the same. He's yeah. a he's a mountain goat. <laughs> yeah. And this year, my son had paced me up and over Hope the past two years. You know, my first two years I completed it. And uh, usually, shout, when, shout out to your son. Yeah, what's, shout out to my son. Like, what's his name? Terrell Sandoval. Terrell, awesome. So he was eighteen that year, and uh, usually when we would you know start coming back, I was always like. He was always trying to push me because my dad was always just push him, get him to get moving, you know. And I was your always, father, so my you, father. You, you've yep. got encouragement and pushing from your son and your father yep. from all angles. Your brother, yep. your whole my family, brother, my whole family—they're always part of it. So it's huge. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that year I kind of stepped out of my comfort zone and and instead of like backing off and telling him slow down because he he has pushed me a bunch and you know I was like. I can't keep that pace, but this year it was kind of, I went with a different attitude. I'm just going to, because he always starts off really hard at the beginning. Terrell. You know? Terrell. Okay. And then kind of peters a little bit, slows down a little <laughs> bit more later on. So I kind of wanted just to see what he had and see what I had that time. So I kind of just went with it and we were yeah. moving. And then, uh, yeah, we're going up Hope and there was another lead man coming down and he tells me, his name is Max, and he tells me, you know, Michael Ace is right up there. He is falling apart. You're going to catch him. Oh and that was God. like such huge motivation. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's really going to happen. Wow. I'm, I'm, I might beat him. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, just huge boost of confidence. And before I knew it, I saw him up on the switchbacks. And I'm like, come on, Terrell, we got to go. We got to catch this guy. And Terrell had no idea who he was yeah. at the time. So he's like, who's that? And I'm like, he's Michael Ace. <laughs> so, uh, just head down, kept pushing hard, and you know my main goal was if I'm going to catch him and I'm going to pass him, I'm going to pass him hard, fast, and I'm not going to look back. I'm just going to keep on going. So if he gets to another aid station, you know, and he asks how far ahead is Wesley, or, you know, I kind of wanted to get into his head a little bit, you know, like hey, this guy is moving forward, you know. So, so that was my main plan. I caught him, passed him, and uh, so so you didn't chat when you passed him. No, I mean I told him keep it up, you know, good job, you know. I'm right. always. I try to encourage everybody out there. You know, I don't want anybody to have a bad race. Right. You know. So yeah, I caught him past him and then uh I saw my brother up a little ways too and and he had beat me the year before on that man. He took first overall and I took second. So, you know, I wanted to obviously beat him as well. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> No sibling Sorry. no sibling rivalry at all. <laughs> right. So uh I ended up pulling into the Twin Lakes Aid station that year and we were he was just right in front of me. Right as soon as he got there, I was there right behind him. And uh, actually, my my son was completely pale white because he was trying to keep up with me. I was we were moving that year, and so he ended up dropping out that year. So I kind of was gonna. The plan was was to go out with with Marvin and his pacer the next 
all the way to Outward Bound. And stay and, with him? And stay with him, yeah. you know, and kind of just work with each other. And uh, I was just feeling so good. <laughs> There's a steep little hill as you come out of Twin Lakes, and he was in front of me just a little bit, so I kind of ran up it to catch up to him, and I just felt, like, amazing, like a whole new person. Like, my legs had it, and I was like, wow. So I just kept going with it, and it's a pretty good uphill. And I was able to run the whole uphill all the way up almost to the Mount Albert trailhead up there, and I uh, just kind of went with it from there on. And Any idea how you got this renewed burst of energy? I think a lot of it was just knowing that I had a chance at taking first, and I actually had a chance of uh, breaking the record, because that was my main goal that year was to break the record. And it was kind of coming true, so it was it was huge motivation in the back of my head. And then, so my watch ended up dying that year, you know, kind of in between that area, so I kind of had no idea where I was at as far as time goes. And in between all the chaos, leaving the aid station and not having my son as a pacer, I forgot to grab goose, mm-hmm. and I only had one goo on me, and I went to take it. And then that was when I realized, I'm like, oh my gosh, I only have this goo. This could be horrible through here. So I backed off after I got to the Mount Albert Trailhead and, you know, took it pretty easy and was more on a recovery style type of jog because I didn't want to overdo it and leave myself out there with nothing and, you know, totally deplete myself. So I took it pretty easy until I got to the next aid station and then, you know, picked it up, got more goos and went along. And uh, so when I got to Outward Bound, that was when I realized I'm like, you know, time-wise, like, this is totally within my ability. I could easily get this last part. And uh, I picked up, my coach was the one that was pacing me that year from there, the rest of the way in. And, uh, yeah, I just felt pretty good. You know, just stayed steady from there on it. And, you know, obviously hurting. Right, Legs, right. muscles, knees, everything was hurting. But uh, as long as I stayed moving, everything would stay loose. If I, like, even when I do the hikes and I do a little walk, like, if I would walk, everything would start walking up, getting tight. So I had to stay moving in order just to stay loose. So uh, so what? what is your aid station routine? And what, and what do you suggest for aid stations? So as far as, like, when I have a pacer, I kind of just keep on going usually. I do not stop at the aid station. I'll tell them what I need. And, and now for the, for the run, do they still take your vitals? I know no, they, 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 don't did, take the they did that in the early years. Right. They would weigh you. Right. And so, like yeah. my first two years doing the 100 run, they did take my vitals. Well, they wouldn't take the vitals, but they did weigh you. Make sure that you're not losing too much well, water actually weight. Or... Gaining because they were worried about getting too much water weight. Oh. So, that was the big issue. And yeah, I mean, I would always gain a little bit, but nothing, nothing serious. All right. But... So, you don't even stop? At the aid station. No, I, I just keep going, yeah, for the run. I'll just keep on moving. And, uh, and so how, get my how, stuff. how do you eat and what do you eat? I just take goose and then I make like a little protein, like a chew that I, you know, protein ball that I make. And that's about it. I'll you take, actually have enough energy to chew? When you're yeah, it's hard coming back. It is really hard to get anything <laughs> down coming back. Even, you know, the goose, like I'll just take them as quick as I can. And it's not very tasteful at that point. It's, I got to force them down. But I, I need that energy. So if I don't take it, like, obviously I always take it once I'm starting to feel depleted. I start going a little slower. I could sense I'll take one. And then a couple of minutes later, I'll get a boost of energy and be able to get going again a little bit more. And, uh, yeah, that's about all I take and, you know, electrolyte drinks. But even later on in the run, like, it's strictly water. My body just wants water, no electrolytes. It's just water and goose getting me through the finish line. Wow, okay. 
And then for the bike, so my dad isn't like an amazing pacer or crew, I shouldn't say pacer. So he's always there and uh, he'll be at every aid station and he basically gives me water bottles, you know, everything. So it's kind of a just go grab a water bottle, usually not even stopping because they have plenty of goos on me. And it's the same thing. I just use goos and electrolyte drinks during the bike. Do you change shoes during the run? Uh, there's been times I haven't, times I have. The last couple of years I've been changing my shoes coming back at Twin Lakes just because your feet, you know, you cross the river and then I usually will swap out to another set of shoes. So your feet do get wet. Oh yeah, they get wet. They get soaked. So you've got to be prepared for that. Yeah. So ch- changing out socks and shoes is a good idea. Do you get a different size for coming back in? Do your feet swell? They do swell, mostly blistered up more than anything. So like a couple of times I've like looked at them like, oh my gosh, I don't really want to look down, <laughs> just put my socks on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I try to go to a, like a lighter shoe coming back. That's, you know, I use Hoka's and I'll usually go out with kind of the heavier, more cushiony shoe and then I'll come back with a lighter shoe. And it, I do feel that little difference in weight, like it kind of helps out, I'd say. Okay. Have you ever had any hallucinations running through the night? Oh, yeah. My first year, geez, that was brutal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> seeing bears, just animals. I just thought I was seeing animals, all these, like in these books. And it was, it was just a, it was just a bush. And I was like, what? And I never said anything to my pacer. I was like, I don't think I'm crazy. <laughs> so I kind of just kept it to myself. If, and, if he's not saying, <laughs> run, he said, run, run, it's like... But yeah, that was that's about it. <laughs> no, no stacks of pancakes or food no. items. Or, you know, yeah. okay. <laughs> scary things. Ah. When you're not training or racing, what do you do? I uh, work. Where do you work? <laughs> I'm a subcontractor, so I do framing and siding. And during the summer months, it's pretty busy and chaotic. What do you do for fun when you're not training, or is training your fun? Training is usually my fun. But, uh, you know, do some camping and, you know, I got four kids, so I, they keep me busy. We'll go do even little bike rides with the kids or runs or hikes or. Do they all race now? Is Terrell your oldest? Terrell's my second oldest. My daughter, Michelle, is the oldest. She is 21 years old. Terrell is 19. And then I got a 12-year-old, Haley, and a 10-year-old, Wesley Jr., and I think I've seen their names in the paper. Yeah. For some of the yep. runs. So Wesley, this year was uh, his first year doing the Leadville Heavy Half Marathon. And uh, it was kind of a it's kind of a funny story. Like, never trained for it or anything. Never really did much. And it was just kind of a thing my wife Allison just kind of threw out because she was going to do it this year. And the night before, she just asked him, Hey, Wes, you want to do the Heavy Half with me? And just out of the blue, he's like, Yeah. And we were like totally kind of shocked, so we kind of just went with it. Like, okay, we'll yeah. get you signed up, and uh, yeah, so he ended up doing really well and completed it, just over four hours. So that was really awesome for him. So they've, they've been watching you for years. Yeah. Do any of your kids want to do lead man, lead women? Uh, my oldest trail, he definitely wanted to there for a while, but like he was the youngest person ever to do the fifty run, youngest person, to, and that was at age fourteen. And then when he was 15, he did the Silver King, the bike and the run. Wow. So youngest person to finish that. And then, uh, yeah, just kind of got over it. <laughs> got over it. <laughs> don't, yeah. have to, don't have to go further right. than 50. Right. 50 is a heck of an accomplishment. That's amazing. 
tips to listeners. Uh, you can talk about food, your training. Do you do any of the training camps, or you have you have a personal so this training? is the first year I did the training camp. I did the the run and then also the bike as well. But yeah, it's the first year. It was really neat, you know, meeting all the different people and, and hearing their stories and stuff. And are you doing the stage race? No, I'm not going to do the stage race this year. Um, Would you recommend that for people who haven't done the bike before? Yeah, I think it'd be good. You know, good training, obviously, good three days back to back. If you're just strictly biking, that'd probably, you know, be really good uh, training for the 100 run or bike. All right. Clothing. What do you wear for the. Do you, do you wear someone's kit for the bike? Yeah, Cycles of Life. They're my sponsor for the All bike. right. Shout out to Cycles of Life, yeah. our Leadville bike shop. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. And. What about for the run? What do you wear? Last year I wore Vertical Runners. They, you know, they sponsor me with my shoes and give me great deals and stuff. So shout out to them and them and Goo. So Vertical Runners and Goo and Goo. So we'll see. <laughs> do you know Eldon Nelson? No, I don't. Uh, he's he's a, a writer and uh, he works for Goo. And okay. I, we had a funny discussion about about that in his interview <laughs> about <laughs> Goo. <laughs> Uh, let's see. What should you be? Pre- where should people be prepared for for the run? And you have to do it in under thirty hours, right, to get a regular size buckle, right? And so, what kind of conditions have you experienced over the years? Conditions have been pretty good these last few years. So, the worst part that I've ever experienced was coming back from my Queen Inn. I wasn't prepared. I had a light jacket, and I froze. You froze. And this it is in was, August. Yeah, it was horrible. I, I thought I wasn't going to make it. I was that cold. So it actually forced me to run <laughs> coming back because I was that cold. But uh, yeah, it was very brutal. That was and it, the it worst can, it experience. And it can hail on you. Yeah, it, it can, can hail on you definitely, especially even last year it held going up, uh, coming back, going up Hope. I missed it. Luckily, I was kind of with the slower pack. <sighs> Behind that, the, the you know the top ten guys, I would say, but they got it going up hope, and uh, it just totally missed me. But when I was going up, I still saw that and held pretty hard, and luckily I missed that. But yeah, those guys that were in front of me and guys that were a little further back definitely got. So you need to be prepared it. for some got extreme conditions. Yep, definitely. All right. What about the bike? Uh, have you had any mechanical failures? Yeah, what last, what last year I had a flat tire coming down power line early on, so and I wasn't totally prepared. I didn't have enough CO2s on me for air for my bike, so did it took me have, a while. Did you have any when you say you didn't have enough? So I had one, and uh, I'm not very mechanically inclined as far as change the tire, so it took me a while. Actually, I had two. So the first one I just put in, blew that out because I had the hole and it didn't seal. And then the second one, I saved it. You know, I swapped, put my tube in there and got it on and I didn't have enough in there basically. Like I had a leak actually on my on my air nozzle. Yeah. So when I put it in, it was squirting right away. As soon as I put the CO2, it was, air was leaking out. So I tried to, you know, get it in as much as I could in the tire. Didn't get enough. So I was kind of waiting. I didn't want to go down because I knew I pinched flat it because it was barely had enough air in there. And uh it was horrible. Like nobody would stop. <laughs> but like, not, not that they needed to. Yeah. You know, it was in a steep downhill section. Nobody, you know, and it's kind right. of on the corner. So, yeah. but uh, my brother was the one that came down and I flagged him down and uh, he gave me his a CO2 and I was able to get going and kind of continue on from there. But yeah, that Aww, was, thanks, it Marvin. was, yeah, 
But other than that, it was horrible. It took me literally 25 minutes to change a flat tire. <laughs> <laughs> so practice that before yeah. you come out and yeah. under it and anticipate that. Right. Be prepared for the worst because you never know what's going to happen. I mean, usually it's going to be something that you really do not expect. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> any other advice? Any, any best advice you can give to people doing this for the first time? Best the advice. bike or the, ride the bike and or the run and or the lead man. <laughs> so stay within your ability. It's a, it's a race, but it's a long distance race, super long distance race. So you, you got to treat it like that and, uh, expect to, it to be an emotional roller coaster, physically, mentally. So that's your biggest battle I think out there. And can you train for that? Can you train for overcoming your head telling you I'm done? Can you train for that? Yeah, definitely. A lot of my intervals, because I do tons of intervals throughout the week, running and biking, and uh, that helps me prepare mentally a lot because, you know, towards the end, end of your intervals, you're depleted, yeah. you're tired, yeah. and you, there's a couple times, like even in the middle, that you think you cannot finish it, but they're within your ability, though, so everything's, you know, designed to be within your ability. So you know you could do it, you just got to kind of push yourself through it, kind of change your mindset in that aspect, and uh those little changes definitely add up. Think of the Rocky movie, you know? Right, in yeah. The, yeah, whatever. In the meat locker. Yeah. Or do, you, <laughs> do you listen to music? Uh, last year was the first time I did uh, in the run. And that was for the same reason. Because whenever I come into the run, I'm always just, my legs are toast. They're blown out from the run or from the bike before. And uh, I'd say the first part of the run is very mentally tough for me. I'm because you know how, you know you have a hundred miles to right. go. Right. Yeah. So I'll go out and uh, basically once we get down power line, you know, you got a big road section, and I'm not very. I would say I'm not a very fast uh, runner, and a lot of people pass me in that section. So mentally, it's pretty tough, and my legs are just tired, sore, heavy, and it's not until <clears throat> I'd say close to 35 miles in is when. I convinced my legs that, you know, we're doing 100 miles today, whether you like it or not. So, And you know you're a climber. And I know I'm a climber, and I usually will start feeling a little better at that time. It's, it's kind of weird. Like, the first 35 miles is the roughest part, and I want to quit. <laughs> Early on, it's like, why am I doing this to myself again? That's the question I always ask ultra racers. <laughs> yeah. I'm asking myself the same question. I'm like, this is just nuts. Why? <laughs> and then, uh, so, yeah, so that's why... I've, Took uh, music with me last year was kind of to keep me from thinking too much at that point. And I only used it for that section. And Do you then, make your own soundtrack? Yeah, my own soundtrack. How has racing changed your life? Oh, big time. Uh, so I, I was always into snowmobiling and dirt biking, anything with a motor prior to. So, you know, I wasn't used to this endurance stuff. I mean, Using your own motor? Right. <laughs> and that was kind of my attitude back then, too. It was like, if it doesn't have a motor, I'm not going to... If somebody asked me, would you ever go 100 miles? Like, if I had a motor, yeah. <laughs> that was kind of my attitude. I just, yeah, so it's changed my lifestyle, the way I eat. I mean, every aspect of it and even my family as well, obviously. My wife's uh, was a silver queen this year. She never mountain biked or ran before either. So it's, you know, it's kind of turned everybody's life to a more healthy lifestyle, which is huge. Does she want to talk to me? Maybe. I would love to talk to her. Okay. I think we need to set that up. Yeah. Well, Wesley Sandoval, thank you so much for 
taking time out of your training. I know this is a big week coming up. I mean, between now and what the, the bike is in on the 11th of August yeah. coming up. My husband's going for his 12th bike. Awesome. He's a four time lead man. So nice. I understand a lot of what you're going through and what your family goes through and, mm-hmm. and what they all sacrifice, but I wish you the best of luck, no physical or mechanical failures. And I hope you make your goals. All right. Thanks. Thank you. You can find today's show notes with links and photos on my website at leadvillelaurel.com. And if you enjoyed this and other episodes, please subscribe to Alligator Preserves wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends about it. I hope you'll help support my work on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash alligatorpreserves and join me next time when I'll talk about something completely different. Until then, I did ask Wesley what kind of preserves he would spread on his toast. And he said he doesn't do toast. And so then I had to ask him, well, what would you spread on a sandwich? And he eats his sandwiches dry. We're talking just like turkey, maybe lettuce and tomato, but don't even bother with the mustard or mayo or any of that stuff. Dry. Can you imagine that? Huh. Takes all kinds. Until next time. Bye. Alligator Preserves is hosted and produced by Laurel McCard with technical support provided by her husband, Mike McCard. Follow her on her website at leadvillelaurel.com where she writes about life, real, and imagined. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy her books. Find her work at amazon.com.